morning. How are you guys doing today? There's a, there's a little bit of a plot going on here, I think, you know? You come up after all these kids, and, and it's only downhill from here. It's, it's kind of what I'm thinking. But on the other hand, you know, I, I come up here, and uh, there's a million <laughs> emotions. This took long that are just flooding. This is going to be a long sermon. <laughs> 50 years. 50 years of God's faithfulness. I can't tell you how many times I've had the privilege of standing in a chapel. Not this chapel. It's pretty cool. Very cool. But standing and encouraging people to open up God's word and to listen to God, to share this time this week with my brother Dave, and with David Bercola, and with Ron, some guys that have done ministry a long time, and, and we've just been in the trenches a long time. Although I got to tell you, Ron is a little bitter today. He came up to me right away and, and said, hey, what's the gig with the podium and you're out in front? And, and I had to like even go in the back and like drag out a music stand. Like, what's that all about? He says, Ron, sometimes there's privileges you get, you know. He's, he can't forgive and move on, but, but he's going to work on it. He's going to work on it. Hey, it's the 4th of July, too. I mean, it, it kind of gets, you know, we forget about all this stuff and this celebration. And, and it's great to be part of a country like the country we're in. And, in fact, we enjoy all the blessings for the most part because of all those people before us, right? We uh, forget how many people lost their lives. How many people are, are maimed for life, for our freedom, for what we have to enjoy? In some ways, you look at 50 years. Um, amazing. But I look at this place. And I walk around now, and, and I'm in awe. Some of you folks who are newer to the ministry of Silver Birch Ranch, you just kind of think all chapels are supposed to look like this, you know? And dining halls, uh, mess halls, but dining halls, different things like that that you just walk around and, and, and just automatically assume, hey, this is what camp's supposed to look like, and this is how we're supposed to do it. Well, I look back 
And I do. I do have a pretty amazing dad, or did, and mom. I learned a lot from them. But if I really look at it, I I realize that Richard E. really only led the first 20 years of this ministry. Yeah, he had vision. Yeah, he listened to God. Yeah, he was courageous. But what's really cool is actually my brother Dave, for the last 30 years, has led this ministry. And so I look at a little brother who exaggerates all of his football stories. (laughs) Turning into a man who listens to God with his pluses and minuses. And has led some extraordinary things for the last 30 years. But I keep coming back to our unbelievable, amazing God who keeps using clay pots, fragile jars of clay. That would be an awesome name of a group. (laughs) Maybe it should even just be on all of our t-shirts. You know, we often hear the good old days. And actually, some of them were good old days. But the beginning years were a challenge. And the Emmanuel people and staff sacrificed. They did. And they multitasked until 1981 when some full-time staff came here. But it really was a very unique time in history where a group of people that eventually ended up in Berwyn, a very simple group of people, not a whole lot of wealthy, probably not even a whole lot of talent, but people that love God and allowed their pastor and their staff to come up and multitask and, and do all these crazy things. And then they joined them. I look at our family, and I saw the sacrifice. Not again to to build up my mom or dad, but one of the things that I saw is that they actually practiced what they preached. I mean, many of you know, my dad was kind of harsh at times. There's no doubt. But he loved God. My mom had a bark. Oh, my word. But she had a heart of gold. She loved her husband, her kids. She loved the Lord. And I look back at that, and and even growing up, and, and actually I didn't grow up here at this camp. I actually grew up at a camp called Phantom Ranch, which my dad already started. And, and I grew up there the first seven years of my life. And Phantom Ranch is all this same names of these cabins. It's very odd. I don't know. I'm a little confused, you know. But all I know is this is as time went on, seeking first God's kingdom and listening to God was really critical. 
We didn't always do that well. But it was preached. Every little bit of income or every little bit of time. In fact, our family went on one family vacation. Don't feel sorry for us. We hung out at camp. You know, that's cool. But we did. 1966, one family vacation. Went out west. Because my dad had this idea of, oh, it's Thanksgiving. Let's go up to camp and let's chop wood for the winter. And then maybe have a Thanksgiving dinner. But you know what, Rick and Dave? We need to have wood all winter long. Up at camp. So let's do that. This is fun. <laughs> Except he never was out there with us. Did you ever notice that, Dave? I think he had other very important things to do, which I'm not exactly sure what it was. And we laugh. We do. And we look at that. But, but realistically, what pastor today, in my opinion, well, gathers a group of, of friends of his sons? They leave Saturday morning really early. We lived in Chicago. Came up, worked for six hours, drove home, and then he went and did his job at church on a Sunday. That's crazy. Like, we often said that. But it was part of the beginning years. I personally began to direct the summer ministry in 1976. And did that through 1988. Something very unique, though, is that we continue to do it with all volunteers. Volunteers from all various churches, Mount Prospect Bible Church, Emmanuel, for the most part. And there were other ones that kind of floated in at that time. But everyone multitasked in the early years. The schedule was relentless. But God kept using fragile clay jars to bring himself glory. Somehow the important was kept at the forefront most of the time. Sometimes our early ministry stories get exaggerated, and you really think there's a great group of angelic hosts. That wasn't always the case. Somehow, as we moved forward, God became bigger and stronger and more amazing than we had ever hoped. God was patient and loving. And I believe we needed 1968 in order to do 2017 really well. Two things happened in 1981. Full-time staff came, as you've heard. And Moraine Valley joined the team. I actually think this was critical in the life of this ministry. I knew that volunteers couldn't continue to do this, and we needed another strong church to come alongside. And God knew that, and God sent it. Now, by the way, let me tell you, uh, some of you think, oh, that full-time staff, they probably came up, had all kinds of perks. Let me tell you what we offered and I'm not even sure you remember, but I remember, all right? We said, could you come on up and, and live up at camp and start a ministry? 
We'll give you $200 a month. We'll give you health insurance. We'll pay for insurance for one of ours. And we'll give you all the food you could eat. Now you say, oh, Rick, back in 1981, 200 bucks a month, that, yeah, that's not a problem. Let me convert it to today. It's $528 a month. All right? And if you want to add that up, it's $6,336 a year. So how about you guys come up and do that? Every one of them had jobs. In fact, good jobs. But that was the start because we've got more and more staff that came and every one of the staff, every one of them, left amazing jobs. Good paying jobs to come up here. This staff does get paid a little bit more. They're up to about 7000 a year. <laughs> Just kidding. I look around and honestly, I thank God for the blessings. I'd much rather worship here in this building than the one built with high schoolers, no matter what anyone says. It's really amazing to be able to have a full band and to be able to worship with all of your heart rather than one grand piano that was out of tune, no matter how good Ralph was. Meals really are a delight, and dish crew and kitchen are sought-after positions here, folks. It's amazing to me. I remember the old mess hall. The rule of thumb was this. You could hardly get in it. You couldn't move. And so the theory was get them out of the mess hall as fast as you can. Some of it was because of the food. But we didn't know. I love riding real horses with horns on the saddles. It's really cool. I love seeing the program. I look back. Heck, the highlight of our program was slip and slide in a big earth ball. You know? I love actually having a choice of what truck to take. And turning the key of a vehicle and actually having it start. It's awesome that counselors don't have to drive a bus two ways on a Saturday. Lifeguard, lead a trail ride, and serve ice cream all while they are counseling. Whoa. Speaking of buses, what a blessing to be able to get up here in less than nine hours and four breakdowns. I mean, literally, there is staff that, has been, that have slept in the Indian reservation overnight protecting our luggage because we couldn't get the bus any further. It's amazing how well a ski nautique can pull people out of the water versus a 35-horse Merc. It's nice not taking garbage to the dump, using rafts that are actually inflated at the end of the trip, and not shoveling an ice rink by hand. God has brought an amazing staff. I love the staff we have right now. They have sacrificed and served well. In fact, I had a list made up for me. 
And I like to just read through this list of the staff that are up here right now. And if you tell me that it was a whole lot better in 1968, I'm going to say you are crazy in the head. God did some amazing things, which I also think gives us a whole lot more responsibility. Now, this isn't an alphabetical order. It's kind of an alphabetical order, but... but you know, if I miss some, I will do my best. It's probably because I can't read anymore, but, but here we go. I'm going to mention those at least who have been here in double digits. We have Troy and Jana. Fort Beaver, thank you. <laughs> I'll read last names too. Um, 14 years. Dan and Sharon Betts, 26 years. Nate and Jenna Brash, Brad and Sarah Ellis, 25 years, Casey and Brittany Golima, Carden and Lynn Stevenson, 14 years, Rich and Margie Hess, 25 years, Tom and Patty Huska, 25 years, Mike and Renee Jewell, Jason and Babe Kemper, Annabelle Lott, Dave and Sue LaPella, 33 years. Todd and Sarah McAhaney. Lauren Midas. We think somewhere around 30 years. <laughs> Some of these people kind of come in and kind of come out, and we're not exactly sure when to start the date. But we'll, we'll go there. All right. Ben and Caitlin Pierce, 10 years. Ron Friesen, Steve and Becky Sanford, 29 years. Jack and Karina Scheich, Debbie Short, Steve and Chris Tice, 12 years. Dave and Linda Wager, 36 years. Tom and Crystal Desmond. Now, again, I, I think every one of these folks have sacrificed. You grow up and you raise a family here. You put that in that environment, and, and your family all of a sudden serves. And there's no other ministry like this. Even if you're on staff at a church, you usually don't live with your staff. It's hard sometimes to celebrate or to separate when you serve as a camp staff person and when you just serve everything gets blurred but God's done some amazing things this is all intro by the way we're going to eventually get into the text I know you're excited but but I also want to say this I also mourn I also mourn as I look back I mourn that we don't have war canoes anymore just kidding I do miss war canoes, though. I mourn that over the years, we have not always done well loving God and loving others. It's been a process, just like in life. When you're real young, you don't do that real well. But as you walk with God, you learn that better. I mourn some of the early years. 
open program. And busyness was maybe more important. I, I mourn the arrogance and the selfishness and the casual attitude I had about sin and people. And I'm sure there were others. But I can talk about me. I mourn the casualties and the collateral damage. I mourn the times we just plain didn't listen to God well. But as I reflect, what's so cool is that God's work didn't depend upon fragile clay jars. He used them and brought himself glory. A few things as I, as I reflect stick out to me. And the fog seems to be less dense. I start with, God, you are my faithful, powerful, sovereign king. And yet you're my dad. You know, my dad wasn't perfect. But he scared the liver out of most of you. He was still my dad. Sometimes we didn't see things exactly the same way. I find that hard to believe. And I learned often the hard way. One thing I love about my brother is that he listened better. He did. I didn't listen that well. But God is my dad, and he's king, and he's amazing, just amazing. And I can trust him. I can trust my dad, my heavenly father. And what I learned is this, is what you have taught us, God, on this journey, and what we need to pass on. I think we can learn much from the Israelites about life and transition. And I'd like you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. And I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for being our dad. I thank you for the amazing 50 years you've given this camp. And I pray, dear God, that as we look forward,
that you will receive unbelievable honor and glory from everything that happens. In Jesus' name, amen. So many of you know what happened in Joshua. So many of you have had some good biblical background, but, but let me just put it this way. Moses had are delivering the longest sermon in the world. It was the book of Deuteronomy. And Moses was about to die. And what he wanted to do was give his last shot to the people of Israel. And so actually I love the book of Deuteronomy. The folks knew that their wandering was over and they were just about to go into the promised land. The land that they had heard about for so many years. The oldest person was a little less than 60 years old. And Moses poured out his heart. He then dies at 120 years old and hands his baton off to Joshua. What's exciting about Joshua, especially in chapter 1, and you may have never even noticed it, but in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord said that he himself spoke to Joshua. That alone had to be pretty exciting. But he said this. He said, Joshua, you are now the leader. No one or no nation will ever be able to stand against you, Joshua. He said, I am the Lord your God, and I will be with you, and I will never abandon you. I will never do that. So, in light of that, Joshua, what I want you to do is be strong. And I want you to be courageous no matter what you see. And I want you to be careful to obey my word and never to deviate from it. I want you to study my word and meditate on it. And if you do, you will prosper. It's time for you to possess the promised land, to enjoy the milk and the honey. And we see that Joshua sends out some spies, and many of you remember the Rahab story. But we jump to chapter 3. And in chapter 3, the spies had already returned. They came back, and Joshua says, how's it look out there? Actually, nothing much has changed. There were still walled cities and giants. That was a thing that absolutely choked the children of Israel last time. But they added one thing. said, I want you to know, everybody in this land knows about our God. And they are petrified of our God. They're petrified of our God. Well, once the people realized that. And the news started to go out. Joshua tells the people in Joshua chapter 3 to purify themselves. Get ready. Because tomorrow's going to be an amazing day. Tomorrow, you are going to see God in a most unique fashion. You will know that the living God is among you. 
And how will you know this? Because tomorrow, the Jordan River, which is at a flood stage, we are going to walk through it. And we're going to walk through on dry land, and everybody is going to know who our God is. So that day came, and as soon as the priest carrying the ark touched the water, a pathway formed, and all the people crossed. Once the people crossed, God said this to Joshua. I want you to take 12 river rock and bring it to your camp, which was called Gilgal. But Joshua also did this. He took 12 rocks in the middle of the Jordan and piled them up. After he did that, the priests in the ark touched the banks of the water and the river flowed again. There was a big pile of rocks, 12 rocks in the middle of the Jordan, right where the ark stood. And there's a whole bunch of rocks in Camp Gilgal. And here's what I'd like you to look at. In Joshua chapter 4, starting at verse 21. That'll come up on the screen. But this is what the scriptures tell us. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future... Your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did in the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had crossed over. Verse 24. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. In the future, Joshua said, I don't want you guys ever to remember or or to forget this. I want you to take your kids by these rocks I want you to point at the Jordan River. I want you to let them know that our God, the God that we worship, is a God of miracles. And that our God does things way beyond anything you ever could imagine. And these 12 rocks were brought out of the river because we walked through on dry ground. God did this for two reasons. So that all the nations, or you could say the whole world, would know that God is powerful. And secondly, that you might fear the Lord of God forever. Isn't that something? A lot of churches, a lot of pastors, a lot of, you know, people tell you what's important in life. Joshua had an opportunity to listen to God. And he says, you know what? There's a lot of things that are cool. There are a lot of stories. There are a lot of shenanigans that happen at camp. There's a lot of different things that we want to focus on. But realistically, we want to take our kids to the rocks and to be able to encourage them That our God is amazingly powerful 
and that we need to fear him. You see, in many ways, silver birch is Gilgal. God said, point out the rocks and tell the story. Tell the story. Your God is powerful, and you need to fear him. You know, the motto that's been on just about every t-shirt and every book and everything that's going out here is to know Christ and to make him known. We want to be able to understand who this God is. Critical. Know how big he is and powerful and faithful and amazing. You also need to know you need to fear him. We don't talk about fear a lot. We're afraid to talk about fear. And we can translate it all different ways, but it is this amazing fear that has respect, but also know that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. If you listen to me, I will bless you, period. That's it. Listen to me. We need to Fear God because God says, I'm going to do what I'm, says I'm going to, I, I say I'm going to do. Sometimes we dilute the message. Sometimes we get confused about the message. But know who I am. Recognize my power, my authority. And then listen to me. Because I am a God to be feared, respected. You know, David tells us, ironically, we had a little bit of Psalm 34 just to start us off today. But in Psalm 34, David says that learning to fear, or that we have to be taught to fear God. That's why I think God says, take the kids back, show them the rocks. Show them the rocks. Keep showing them the rocks. I think of the different places you can go here in Silver Burst, different places you've made decisions, different things that have gone on. Show them the rocks. God is faithful. God is amazing. God did this here and that here. I'm so grateful. God is big. It's amazing when Joshua was dying and Joshua 24, verse 14. His dying words, he said this. Fear the Lord and serve him with all of your heart. You see, God gives all of us a journey. And for some of you, part of that journey goes through silver birch. And it's amazing to focus on God's faithfulness and remind our kids. But you know what? If that was the only message, I think I'd be remiss. I think I'd be a poor communicator and a poor trustee. I need, actually, to just ask what's next. What's next for Silver Birch? What's next for you? What's next as you move forward? And I just want to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 because Moses was the one who faithfully, Shared his heart. He was called the friend of God. Every good Jewish home 
would recite the Shema. That's how you say it if you're from Chicago. Uh, the Shema. And they would know this. And, and every morning when you got up, faithful Jewish parents would recite this. And before they went to bed, this was something that was so very well known. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, Moses said this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength, and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again and again. Basically, the Shema says, love God and love his word. And right after this, Amazing text and passage. We don't read verses 10, 11, 12, and 13. But this is the message I think that God wants us to hear at this critical junction of 50 years here at Silverbird, celebrating God's faithfulness. This is what Moses says, verse 10. Uh, Israel, the Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you. When he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it is a land with large and prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods that you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not uh, dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. But when you have eaten your fill in this land... Verse 12, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord and serve him. Wow. When life gets comfortable, Israelites, when you finally get into the promised land, when you have an unbelievably beautiful chapel, Unbelievable stables, waterfront that is functioning, three ski boats. Holy schmoly. And you can go on and on and on. I want to remind you that yes, God gave this to us as a gift. No doubt about it. But be careful not to forget the God who rescued you. Don't forget that. Don't let salvation, don't forget that you were dead, I was dead, and that we needed to be rescued. We have the opportunity for maybe hundreds of kids and people every single year come to faith. They recognize that Jesus died to rescue. How cool is that? But be careful not to. Fear the Lord your God and serve the Lord your God. Fear. I challenge you, there's a young man sitting right back there about three rows from the back. I was in a small group with him for a long time. And one day we were just kind of reading through the scriptures and Rich just kind of said this. He goes, you know, I'm I'm just 
amazed at how much we're told to fear God. And I think for the next six or seven years, every time I read a section, a verse, the word fear God, it had a whole different meaning. Fear God. Serve the Lord. Ultimately, I think Moses is saying, hey, enjoy. Enjoy God's but keep moving forward. Jesus, when he was here on the planet, and I'll end with this, he added one thing. He, he was asked, hey, what's the most important commandment? Well, of course, he just shouted out the Shema. Everybody knew that. Everyone agreed with it. But you know what Jesus just wanted to clarify a little more. He goes, hey, I want you to know when you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your mind, with all of your soul, I just want you to know something else happens. You begin to love others like yourself. It always starts with God. But ultimately, love others. I look at Silver Birch, and it's hard not to think through the parable in Matthew 25 when Jesus told about the kingdom and living in the kingdom. And he basically said this. He said, to whom much is given, much is required. We celebrate what's happening here on the 50th year of Silver Birch. But I know the staff, I know the director, I know the boards, I, I know this, that they know the gift that they have and the opportunities they have to partner with the church to advance the kingdom in amazing ways. And we trust, just like this has happened for you this week, that everyone who walks through these doors, that goes through that gate, leaves with a clearer image of who God is. Desiring deeply to reflect him well to others so that others may be able to come to the feast. And that whatever resources we have, we use them to bring God's glory. I thank God for his love and his mercy and his grace. I thank God for this place. But it's not about the place. It's about God. Let's pray. Father, you have taught so many of us so many lessons. And some of us are really just slow. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for your grace. We, we thank you, Father, for the vision that you gave Richard E. a long time ago. But more than that, God, we thank you for the changed lives we thank you for the opportunity we have to be able to point people to the stones of your faithfulness and to encourage people to fear you and to serve you with all of your heart because you are our God. You are sovereign. You love making beautiful things out of messes. You love God just surrounding us, empowering us, encouraging us. And God, someday we're going to shut our eyes, each one of us. And you're going to reveal to us 
how we invested. And Lord, we thank you for those who have invested over these 50 years. Names that we'll never know. People who paid for kids to come to camp. People who sacrificed their vacations and came up and served for one week at a time. People who loved you and wanted to reflect you to others. We thank you. We praise you. And as, Father, we continue the journey you've given us, would we listen better? Would we love others differently? Would we forgive others quicker? Would we trust our dad in a new and a fresh way? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.